This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It's Creature Feature, a spotlight on one of the Wildlife Hospital Dunedin's extra special guests. And Jordana White joins us in the awesome morning show studio to introduce another special visitor to Wildlife Hospital Dunedin, Morena. Good to have you with us, Jordana. Morena, Jeff. Thanks for having me back. Now, this morning's guest is one that, that, that all of us pretty much will be familiar with, right? That's right. Very familiar site in Dunedin and, in fact, all of New Zealand. It is the Silver Eye, also known as the Wax Eye. Or Tauho. Tauho, uh, it's actually Pihi Pihi, so I, I'm not... A, the Taho might be the bellbird? No, Maybe not according to... Oh, not straight <laughs> into the controversy. I love it. <laughs> no, I think you actually are right. It's probably... It might be a regional name, actually. I'm not sure. Could be. Yeah. Yep. We'll have so to explore I, that I did, some more. Yep. I, I, we'll, we'll fact check that and we'll come back to it another time. But um, probably people are yelling at their radios right now. That's mm, absolutely fine. Good. Well, I'm off to a great start as the uh, expert on this patient. Um, we recently admitted a little silver eye that was attacked by a cat. Um, unfortunately, that's a really common reason that we get um, silver eyes or wax eyes into the hospital is because they've been attacked by cats. Um, part of the reason for that, it might be just that they are so there are so many of them. Um, they are quite a widespread and abundant species all across Aotearoa. Uh, so the numbers are really good, but it might just mean that they're slightly easy pickings for um, your local cat. Um, they, Like I said, they're widespread. Uh, one thing that surprises me about these little birds is that they go all the way up to about 1,200 meters in elevation in terms of where they live. So they're really happy to go sort of subalpine, which is pretty interesting. It's essentially um, anywhere you have vegetation in New Zealand, you can find these birds. So no wonder we see them so much. They're probably the most common bird that you'll find at your backyard feeder. Um, And yeah, I'd say that one of the the features or one of the interesting things about these birds is that they are relative newcomers to Aotearoa. So they only colonized from Australia in about the 1850s. So they don't have a super long history here yet. So I think it's actually pretty impressive that they've covered so much ground, so to speak, in that relatively short period of time. Certainly plenty of them up our way. I have um, a bird feeder in the garden, and uh, they are constant visitors. They're there all day. Yes, especially in the winter. And they are, I mean, you get just like gangs of them. They're a really social bird, so they travel in flocks, so that's not unusual to see them all together. Um, We have a bird feeder at the wildlife hospital out in our courtyard, and they it's it's quite fascinating to watch their behavior together at the feeder. Um, There there is a there is a hierarchy often in the flocks, so there it will be a dominant bird. I think there's probably a lot of battles for that sort of dominant position, but we see it all the time. Like the dominant ones will chase off the other ones to get to the nectar feeder. Um, yeah, they're, they're constantly having little tips. I mean, that seems pretty common in, in all of the nectar feeders that I've seen. That sure, there yeah. Will be, they'll, be, they'll be basically chasing each other off they for get position. They're quite pushy. Yeah, yeah, the two we do it as well, of course, we yeah. see that. Um, we've named our, our flock of uh, silver eyes at the hospital. They're called the Smiths. And we have one called Jeff, actually. There's Jeff Smith, there's Chad, there's Biff, there's Brad. (laughs) They're sort of like, I don't know, 80s movies guy names, I guess. I don't know. But the Smiths, yeah, we just, we really do enjoy um, watching them. And there's even one that has uh, a, a little, like, 
it's missing a toe or a couple of toes or something is it gets around just fine. It isn't even one of our former patients. It's just one that we've noticed and it's adapted. So we can always tell that one. Um, and it's nice to see it come back time and time again. So it's obviously thriving pretty well despite its uh, injury. Um, um, we started this winter season with one of those sort of open um, dish shaped nectar feeders, which attracted uh, look, I, I'd have to say there could have been 40, 40 of them all having a go at one time. Um, changed my, our decision on that when we learned a little bit more about the potential for um, disease spreading that way through that. Um, so many of them around, they might be pooping in the water. There's all sorts of things going on there and birds yep. sharing um, if there's something nasty going on. So um, I'm going to give a plug to the Pekka Pekka bird feeders. Why not? Yes. Because they are fabulous. They're just... Um, that's one at a time feeding, although they will jostle for position. Oh, yeah. About Sometimes they do manage two at a time, three at a time, the little guys like the silver eyes. Um, yeah, Pekka Pekka feeders, absolutely plug them. They're made right here in Dunedin. Yeah. Um, they're fabulous choice. And you're, you're raising a couple of points that I had about talking about silver eyes in this patient that was attacked by a cat. So sometimes we get, we'll get cat, uh, sorry, birds that are attacked by cats at feeders. And it's the Pekka Pekka feeder, if, if your listeners aren't familiar, it's on a Waratah. And you you put you should put it out in the open. So you know, or more out you know more in the open as much in the open as you can, so that you're not putting it near places where cats can hide. So the birds are distracted; they're having their little tiffs. You know, the Smiths are having tiffs over the feeder, <laughs> and the cat can kind of creep closer and closer. And they might not realize it if there's cover nearby, that kind of thing. Um, and and the other thing is around hygiene at bird feeders. So that is really important. And, and as you say, the forty at a time. I mean, of course they're pooping in the water. There's no question about that. So unless you're, I mean, we really encourage people to supplementary feed in the winter. You've seen how voraciously they eat in the winter from your feeders, uh, and so we, we really do encourage that, giving them that extra helping hand through the colder months. But uh, hygiene is really important at feeders. So especially if you've got one of those bowl feeders or you've got a table feeder where it's just a surface, um, making sure you're cleaning it really regularly. Um, I would say daily. I don't. I don't know how realistic that is for most people. But um, how how much were you filling up that? nectar bowl for them pretty frequently well, uh, i would think uh, yes yeah they look between them the twoies and the bellbirds they'd get through a mason jar in sometimes an hour and a half yes that's what we find at the hospital as well so if you're out there if you are frequently re- replacing it that means you are attending to that f- that feeder often it means you've got to give it a wipe essentially before you refill it um they can pass things around like salmonella can get passed around and then spread through the entire bird population so it's it's quite important to keep it clean so the, and the peca peca ones are obviously easier to keep clean so i do recommend them um yeah this the we do feed them nectar in hospital as well um so this this patient it's, it's great when they self-feed so if they're just going to drink nectar from a little dish fantastic that's really easy for us Sometimes, like this guy that's come in with a cat attack, um, he's you know feeling pretty poorly, and we have to actually tube feed it, you know, force feed it, and you cannot. This is a it's these little birds are 13 grams. Our patient is 10 grams, so you can imagine it's it's actually quite difficult to hold, and then trying to get its beak open is is quite a project. Um, I, I watched Nurse Emily feed it. Um, Thankfully, she has really long fingernails, so she's able to pry that teeny tiny beak open fairly mm. easily. But it's um, quite a delicate operation. Um, we've actually had uh, fledgling silver eyes in hospital before, not because they were attacked by cats. Thankfully, I'm not sure exactly why they were there, to be honest. But uh, they're about six grams, and they look like little grumpy golf balls. 
they're perfectly round and they just look like they really want to speak to the manager. Yeah. And I think I've sent Jeff a picture of, of our grumpy golf balls. So hopefully we'll have that up on the um, OER website so you can have a look at it. Um, I think you actually were speaking of uh, what these guys flocking in, in their um, sort of territorial grumpy or grumpy behavior. I guess you have a, you have a, a sample of a song, a bird song that these guys play. I think we should play it because everyone's familiar with these birds in terms of the sight, but maybe not with their song. Okay, here we go. Okay, well, I'm certainly familiar with that in my own backyard now. Absolutely. Um, I usually hear a little bit of peeping. They, 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 they come out... And they're quite happy to um, to feed in our presence if we're still. But if we start moving, they're off. Yes. And they're very vigilant about that. And I suppose that they've always got their eye out for the bigger birds as well, haven't they? And the cats. And the cats. Like that. And that illustrates exactly why putting the bird feeder out in the open is helpful for yeah. them. It's because they'll see that movement of the cat coming towards them and they'll take off immediately. Mm. Yeah. That sound. So I. it's interesting because that, that sound, I think, maybe that pihi-pihi name, whoever it is, you know, whichever dialect that is or area that uses that, I think that might come from the sound of the bird call. That's because mm. that's kind of picked up on that when I was listening to it. Mm, I've been looking. I've been on the interweb while we've been talking, <laughs> and, and both both names are being used. Both, so yep. um, I'm sure if we did a little bit of more investigation, you're quite right. There probably would be regional variations and things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the, these the. These birds, as I said, have only been here since the 1850s, and they're a bit, I would describe them as a bit of a mixed bag in terms of their reception since they've been here. So they do have some really good uh, characteristics. They're sometimes called the blight bird. I don't know, probably farmers that nickname them that, um, because they do eat aphids. So that's actually quite handy. Um, you know, aphids are those little insects that kind of ruin certain vegetables and certain um, plants. Maybe I should deny them some sugar water and they can get rid of when the roses come out, they can get onto the aphids. That's right. Well, I mean, look, you can you can bring them into the garden with the nectar. They'll finish it in an hour and a half and yeah. then maybe they'll go after your aphids. I think that could be quite helpful. Um, but they, there's a that, that's there's a flip side to that. So they do, they do take care of things like aphids on plants and crops, but they will also go after stone fruit crops and other fruits um so you know if you're driving along out to central otago and you you're going through the uh sort of roxborough area and you see all the cherry trees that have nets on them uh, the one of the reasons they have nets is because they're trying to keep birds away from eating all of the fruit and certainly silver eyes wax eyes would be one of the ones that are going after their fruit um so they can you've seen them flock you've seen how they go at your nectar you can imagine how they'd go after some fresh central otago cherries so there's a some some people would say they're a bit you know a bit of a nuisance in that regard but they're not the only birds that do that so that's that's they're just one one of the in the mix there um as I said, they travel in flocks, which is pretty impressive to see when you get heaps of them at one time, and they're quite noisy. Um, we generally only have one at a time in the hospital, thankfully, because they can be a bit tricky given their size and their speed. Mm. Um, so we have a really a special enclosure for them that has really fine netting on it. Otherwise, there's no they'd be gone. They have the the bars are wide enough in our most of our enclosures that they would just get right out. Um, the, the only problem with that is that the net the netting is dark, and so it can be very difficult when you're trying to open the enclosure to figure out exactly where the silver eye is in the enclosure, and it often means that they're able to slip out uh, when the nurses or the vets open the enclosure. And we have a very long-handled net in the hospital for just those circumstances, but I'm telling you, I have seen the nurses gently 
and professionally pounce on a silver eye that's managed to get out. You know, they land on the floor and the nurses snap them up so quickly. It's really quite impressive. I would be like a headless chicken trying to chase after one of those birds in the ward. Um, but yeah, they, they do get um, they do get out from time to time. I've seen it happen. Mm, can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, you know, obviously a tiny little bird like that, they're not often going to fare well against a cat and obviously they'll have trauma injuries, but that's not the only risk from uh, attacks by cats, is it? Correct, yeah. The saliva in a cat's mouth is actually quite toxic to birds. So even if a bird isn't actually, uh, sorry, a cat isn't actually biting the bird, uh, it can get spit essentially on the bird. The bird could take off, escapes technically unharmed, but then it preens itself, it cleans itself, and it ingests that toxic saliva, and it gives them an infection that can kill them. So even if we get a bird that we're not sure has been attacked by a cat, so we, we get a lot of silver eyes that have some kind of trauma, and not everybody witnesses the predation by the cat, so we have to assume that it has been attacked by a cat. We don't know. So we have to treat it as the, as such, because otherwise it could simply die even after we, we fix whatever its external injuries are. So we have to treat with antibiotics um, straight away. It's absolutely key. Um, and that generally works pretty well. This little guy, everyone keep your thoughts with him, because he's having a really hard time. We hope he makes it. Um, we do have we do have pretty good success with Silver Eyes, but um, yes, it's it, this one does have external injuries and it, it does have um, issues potentially with infection so keeping a pretty close eye on it um, if it does make it we have a small aviary out back that we can put him in to get his strength up and be outside acclimate to the outside a little bit before it's sent to one of our local rehabbers um, for a little bit more time um, so yeah the, the cats are a real issue for these little birds just like they are many for many of our native birds in general um, love cats they're great keep them inside that's the main thing. This is a species that is abundant. They aren't particularly, they're not at all threatened actually at this time, thankfully. Um, but cats kill a lot of native birds and it doesn't have to be that way. So we want people to keep start keeping their cats inside. If, if your cat's not if you're ready to retire inside or you can't stomach the thought of it, Put collars on them, put bells on them, build a catio, fantastic resource, a catio. The cats love them. If you're not familiar with what a catio is, it's basically just a big enclosure attached to your house or your shed or your garage where a cat can hang out outside but not be able to get the birds. Um, also, cat curfews are quite a good idea um, if you're not letting them out at dusk and dawn, when time when birds are often really active. Um, that can help as well, uh, make sure they're in for the night, essentially. Plenty to think about because there'll be plenty of bird lovers out there that are cat lovers too. <laughs> That's right. And we can hold both of those things. I yeah. love cats. There's nothing wrong with that. We just have to be responsible responsible about our cat behavior. you know. And we can't regulate all of that, of course. But there are a lot of easy things that you can do to help prevent them from getting our birds. Fantastic to hear about the silver eye all the wax side this morning. Thank you so much, uh, Jordana, for joining us again. We look forward to another edition soon. Excellent. Thank you so much. And I just have one quick public service announcement I'd like to make um, for the folks here in Dunedin. Uh, we are currently, there is a male sea lion that has what we call a nylon necklace, which is essentially he is entangled in fishing equipment. We don't actually, it's, we suspect it's nylon, a piece of nylon fishing equipment. That's often what they get entangled with. It's really, really tight around his neck, and it's already dug in quite a bit. We can see the injury. Um, we can save this sea lion, but we just have to locate him so we can get vets out to, to um, anesthetize it and cut that piece of nylon fishing equipment off of him. He's been seen a couple of times. He's been seen at St. Clair, at Ottawa, 
Moana at Pilot's Wharf out on the uh, on the harbor. So he is moving around still, which is good. But please, if you get a, a look at this guy anytime, anytime in the next whenever, please call Doc 0800 Doc Hot and and let them know that this is a creature that Doc is looking for, and we'll get a team out and save this guy. So please, please keep an eye out for him. Well, hopefully, in a future edition, we can bring a good news story about that. Uh, thanks, Jordana, for joining us again. The Wildlife Hospital Dunedin treats sick and injured native New Zealand species right here in the heart of Aotearoa's wildlife capital. Their expert veterinary team patches up more than 500 patients every year, returning the majority of them back to the wild where they belong. You can learn more about the hospital, including ways to support this charitable trust, at wildlifehospitaldunedin.org.nz or follow their Facebook page for more fabulous creature content. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.